Here are the latest dates for live Smod Pods. February 6th, HBO at the Hollywood Improv. Jason News at the Wizard World Madison Comic Con, February 6th through 8th. Babylon at the Hollywood Improv back on February 13th. Portland, Oregon gets an evening with Kevin Smith on February 19th. Two shows are booked and one is already sold out. Jay and Bob get old in Vancouver on February 20th. Ralph and Kev, Babylon at the Hollywood Improv, February 27th. Jay and Silent Bob at the Pasadena Ice House on February 28th. March 13th brings another Babylon back to the Hollywood Improv. March 14th, the Tempe Improv gets an evening with Kevin Smith and Jay and Silent Bob get old. Also that weekend, March 14th and 15th in Dallas, the comic book man will be at Walker Stalker Con. Celebrate the 200th episode of Hollywood Babylon in Toronto on March 21st, while the following weekend, HBO heads back to the Hollywood Improv. Jay and Silent Bob and an evening with Kevin Smith hit Zanies in Nashville on April 16th. Kev goes solo in West Palm Beach on April 18th. Y. Bry at the Palm Beach Improv on April 18th and Orlando Improv on April 19th. Jason Mewes and the comic book man are at Awesome Con the last weekend of May in D.C. and Kevin Smith joins Mewes and the comic book man at Fandom Fest in Louisville, Kentucky on August 8th. Remember, links to tickets to all of these and all upcoming live Smodco shows at csmod.com. Geek News Reviews Commentary Not just another podcast On the Ordinary Paintball Broadcast Insert random joke here Now here comes your host Kyle A. Barrett Of the World Steve Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast Episode 11 All the geeky news you can use From the West Coast This is Kyle A. Barrett I'm an anime and video game voice actor And your co-host on the East Coast Of the World Steve I am an amateur historian And a musician And here we are already into February of 2015 What the fuck? dude right i mean this year's already just zooming past perhaps for you not for me oh is it, is it slow is it is it shitty it's shitty um I, we talked in depth last podcast podcast about the blizzard that we encountered in this region of our fine fine country and i'm not too proud to announce we got about another 10 inches it is fucking cold outside so um it, we have this really unique phenomenon where it warms up a little bit during the day and some of the snow melts and then the sun goes down and everything immediately just freezes over. So uh, imagine driving a Zamboni to and from work every day. Like that's kind <laughs> of what it's like over here. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't hack it, man. So so for everyone listening, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, Steve is uh, in the Boston area, basically. And, you know, an East Coast winter is always way more brutal than a West Coast ever could be. And there's always this rivalry going on. It's like if people in California, for example, think that 50 degrees is cold, everyone from the East Coast says, shut the fuck up. I can walk outside pretty comfortably, not in shorts, but jeans and a t-shirt in the 20s. That That's kind of comfortable. Closest I get to do that is like when I go to this convention every year called Anime Detour in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And that's when their brutal winter just ends. So the snow's starting to melt and people are out there wearing t-shirts and shorts. And it's probably in the 40s, 50s tops. And they're like, ah, this is nothing. You just missed the bad stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm good with that. Have you been to a con yet where you've had to wear uh, like a winter coat? Or yes. A jacket? I had to, to march down to like a Burlington coat factory and purchase the biggest, thickest coat I could find because... I was scheduled to have convention appearances up uh, in Canada <laughs> and where it was like, oh, let's see. I don't know the metric system. Sorry, Canadians. Um, but basically, you know, 10, 20 degrees tops. So, yeah, that was brutal. It was great to see snow. Um, I think I had my fill of that. But to get from the like the venue to go out to like a staffer's car to go out to eat for the night or something. That, that was that was rough, but yeah, I do have a winter coat. Uh, I have a hoodie um, that I usually wear because I just hate logging around a big, thick winter coat because I rarely ever need it. But I know that when I travel to some of these conventions on the East Coast or up in Canada, 
it's it's going to be an eye-opening experience for me, for sure. I think the worst part about what we're experiencing here is there's no fun snow. It's not like being in, in Colorado or New Hampshire or some parts of Maine where you can uh, go skiing or snowboarding or whatever. It, it's just a mess. It's it's too much of a city. We don't have those wide-open spaces for those types of facilities. So, yeah, there's no fun snow. And as a matter of fact, we ran out of places to dump the snow. So I, I saw when I drove home from work this evening, there's a, a big vacant lot where a building once stood, and they dropped the building a couple years ago, and they were uh, trucking in in big, big, big dump trucks trucking in snow and just dumping it in this lot because there's just no place else to put all this snow. <laughs> I wonder if Morton Salt makes a shit ton of money this time of year. I think Vermont does it, and I'm pretty sure a few other states do. They actually use vodka to spray on the roads. Vodka? Yeah, and actually um, being alcohol-based now, such a pure alcohol, and alcohol doesn't uh, freeze they pre-treat the roads with it. So when it snows, it doesn't have an opportunity for ice crystals to form on the road. So I imagine all the, uh, I was going to say winos, but it's kind of not PC, but <laughs> people, <laughs> people with alcohol addiction issues, uh, following around these trucks and trying to get what they can off the back of the spray nozzle. That's just funny. I'm just imagining these city workers just drinking straight out of the bottle and just like pouring it straight out onto the, onto the roads and everything and then they're opening a bottle taking a swig pouring the rest out taking a swig pouring the rest out it's just lather rinse repeat i'm sure if you piss it out a lot of alcohol is coming out with that stream too so they should just hire a bunch of guys to stand on the back of the truck heavily consuming alcohol and just pissing on the back of the road don't ask me why i know this but you know apparently diabetic piss is a, is a great way to to make some moonshine from what i've read a, a lot of cultures that use psychotropic mushrooms they would give it to the the village idiot and have him eat them because you get very nauseous very quickly when you consume the mushrooms themselves but then they would collect the urine and if you drink the urine from somebody who consumed mushrooms you only get the psychotropic effects without any of that nausea so there's that hopefully you guys have all learned something very useful you never know you might be on jeopardy one day and that might be your final jeopardy question and to say thanks kyle in the world steve here's 20 percent right. of my cut <laughs> we need uh yeah village idiots and and diabetes piss and uh Speaking we're looking of- at the chat room here robert J has joined our chat here as we record our, our shows, we stream audio um, on Tuesday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, usually. And you can follow our Twitter in case you don't remember that. Just remember this, at BB Broadcast. Uh, we give you the link to join our chat room and listen in. And, uh, yeah, Robert J. says, I can tell my mom that I learned something today. Absolutely. Share it with the family. This sort of knowledge is absolutely family-friendly. And this is just the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg for this show. So more knowledge coming your way. Yeah. If you've missed the previous episodes, like apparently Punished Sam on Twitter has, because um, <laughs> he said your thoughts on the rumored Indiana Jones news. It's like, well, dude, if you listen to our last episode, we totally talked about that. We're not going to give anything away, though. We're going to make you go back and listen. Free. So <laughs> knock yourselves out. That's right. We don't stand to gain or lose anything. We're just hoping that you guys will listen to the show and keep listening to the show and hoping our, our audience will build over time. So maybe 10 years from now, we can say, look, Kevin Smith, people care. I think people care enough. It's uh, We don't get the feedback we, we want. <laughs> we don't get that validation. No. So, you know, hint, hint, anybody listening, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook. Validate us. Speaking of validation, though, I, I need to get this out of my system really quickly because I know we're a geek podcast. And for the most part, geeks, you know, not 
really too inclined to watch sports on television. Right. And, you know, I am a self-professed geek. I do, however, I, I do have some guilty pleasures. When I don't follow a lot of sports, but what I do follow is I follow football. And in particular, I follow the New England Patriots because I'm in Massachusetts. What else are you going to do? So for the last few weeks, we, we heard a lot about this uh, deflate gate and about how the Patriots are a pack of cheaters and blah, blah, blah. And it was funny watching the Super Bowl about all these super precautions that the NFL took that people weren't tampering with the balls before or during the game. Um, but anyways, uh, nice victory by the Patriots down to the wire. A lot of uh, Hall of Famers, retired players saying perhaps the best Super Bowl in Super Bowl history. So I was very, very pleased to have an opportunity to witness that. What I found surprising were, I think, some of the commercials in this year's Super Bowl. First and foremost, a lot of critics have said uh, a lot of these commercials this year were really downers. They were just bummer commercials um <laughs> we could talk about that a little bit more in a minute but uh, speaking of, of downers and disappointments no 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 um i was surprised by the first movie trailer that i saw during the super bowl and that was for the terminator genesis i was uh -huh. kind of surprised that that was uh the lead-off movie trailer i don't know if they were just trying to get into people's heads before they got too inebriated and reminded everybody hey look we got a terminator film coming out but it, it was the same typical fair stuff we've, we've seen online already so it wasn't anything earth shattering the second trailer i think surprised me even more and the second movie trailer was for fast and furious 7 and i have never watched a fast and furious film i have no interest in vin diesel unfortunately is like not in my top 10 or even in my wheelhouse for that matter. But that was actually a pretty fucking kick-ass trailer. That got me interested. And I watched that whole trailer pretty intently. It, it was very action-filled. And it, it was just kind of sad that here's a movie about dudes that drive in cars and it had a hundred times the action that any of the superhero trailers have had that have come out as of late with Ultron and and uh, everything else. Um, they, they all escaped me at the moment. But um, yeah, the Fast and Furious trailer actually had a shitload of action and actually really held my interest. So I don't know. I, I, I might stop watching superhero films and start watching the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm, yeah, I saw the trailer. I went to see American Sniper, which was really good. And But the trailer for Fast and Furious 7, I knew it was going to come. And I'd see, all right, yeah, there's Paul Walker's last movie. It's a little depressing because he's, he's in it. And I don't know how his character fits into the whole storyline. Obviously, they had to re- edit and, and, and tweak the story, this, that, and the other. But yeah, it had some pretty kick-ass stuff. I'm not normally into car porn movies. I mean, my idea of a car porn movie was back in the day before CG, you know, Smokey and the Bandit, you know, Steve McQueen shit, you know, they would just use actual stunts with real practical effects and cars and everything. And, and now, you know, they do it to an extent, but I think, you know, CG is helping them out a lot more. So I'm not sure how much of all that eyegasm car porn stuff in the new Fast and Furious stuff uh, is really legit. But, you know, it's it's obviously got a, a big following enough to have seven goddamn movies. So I might try it out. I don't know if this means I have to go back and watch the first six to know what the hell's going on. Maybe uh, you guys out there can let me know and just give us the... The Cliff's Notes version. In terms of Super Bowl spots, uh, I only watched a couple of them online. I didn't see the Genesis spot because I've already seen the one before and it didn't really impress me though. Although I did laugh when I saw Arnold literally get to the choppa, but I hadn't seen the new one. Uh, the other one I did see was the new Jurassic World one with, uh, with, with some more, you know, uh, Chris Pratt owning his little gang of raptors and everything. It's like, how the hell is that going to work? I don't, I don't even, I literally can't even 
but I'm interested. I will definitely go see that. Genesis, probably not. It just looks like the same shit retread all over again. And because the last two uh, Terminator movies have totally let me down. I particularly dug the Snickers commercial, and it's kind of too bad it leaked a day early on the internet, but I really dug the shit out of the Snickers commercial. That was hilarious. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the, of the, you know, the usual kind of product stuff. But the thing that always catches my eye during Super Bowl is the movie spots. But as a geek, you know, I just want to see like, well, who's watching this on the biggest TV? Is it 4K? And, you know, yeah, I'm not a sports person, but I got to admit that sports does look amazing in 4K or 3D for that matter. But um, that's not the big push. The only thing I could take away from the Super Bowl is people tweeting about the the derpy shark that Katy Perry had or something during the halftime show. And, you know, for me, that was a little disappointing. I missed the entire halftime show. I was at work until 8 p.m. And right at 8 p.m. is when the halftime show started. And I left work. I grabbed a bite to eat, got home, and the third quarter was starting. So I missed Katy Perry. I, I remember texting a coworker and asking, well, does she look hot? And he was like, yeah, she looks hot. I'm like, fuck, and I'm missing this. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure it's all on video somewhere. You can just relive all the glory. That is Katy Perry. Nice, nice. <laughs> Just like uh, Kim Jong Un in the interview. I said I've I've watched half of that movie. By the way, it's now on Netflix. The interview, and I am not impressed. I got all excited. I thought the trailer was legitimately funny, and I thought, all right, I'm going to watch this, and yeah, America, and all that. And it's like it, it's not all that, and I don't really have a desire to finish watching it. Was it all dick and fart jokes? Because that's what I've heard. Like the overall consensus is it's just your typical boy potty humor. Film. Yeah. I mean, you get the sense that James Franco and, and, and Seth Rogen are buds and that's fine and everything, but uh, I have a feeling it works better in other films. Not this one in particular. It's just, it's just silly. I mean, a lot of the shit just falls flat. That's just my opinion. Do you think you would enjoy those films more if you were high? You may have to be. I mean, they, they both partake of the weed. So, so maybe they thought when they were crafting the first screenplay draft that it's like, this is genius. People will love this. You know, segueing right in, you, you brought up uh, Netflix. I wanted to talk very briefly about the very brief teaser for um, Daredevil that went online today. Today's uh, Tuesday, February 3rd. We got a 14-second teaser. And I hate to be that crotchety old man who bitches every podcast, so I apologize in advance, but I don't want a teaser to a trailer. That That's just really fucking annoying. You know, give me the, the trailer. Um, are, are they that desperate for that market attention that you have to pre-release all this stuff? Um, you know, the show's not even starting until April. I didn't mind it so much when Ant-Man did it because I thought it was funny. It, it was cute to do the uh, the ant size trailer where mm -hmm. you have like a 10 pixel by 10 pixel little square. <laughs> yeah. That was okay. But um, 14 second tease for Daredevil for a longer trailer that's coming tomorrow for a show that's not starting for a few more months. I just, to me, it's overkill. It, it, it almost gave me like that, well, fuck you. I'm not going to watch it now attitude. <laughs> so I guess we'll have to wait and see if I actually do. I've only seen photos from it. And the way he looks, he looks more like Iron Fist to me than Daredevil. He does. Absolutely. I am still excited for the notion. I love what Marvel's doing, that all these different ventures on all different networks and different outlets and blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen this 14-second teaser trailer. I know other studios have done this shit before. They've actually vined 
teaser trailers for full trailers for X-Men in the past and Terminator Genesis and, and all that. And I guess it builds buzz. I mean, people sit there and watch it. I mean, Jurassic World had that as well. It's like, watch the world premiere trailer and here's, you know, boop, 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 blink and you miss it shots and this, that and the other. It's like, I'm not really into that whole thing. I'd rather just just wait. Tell me it's like, this is the date. This is this is when it drops. Boom. I dug J.J. Abrams teasing uh, some photos on Twitter during the shooting of Star Wars Episode Seven. I think that that was cool, and some of it was kind of tongue in cheek, and some of it you really had to be like a fan to to grasp what he was showing you. So that was cool because it's done in an interesting way. But this, this tease before the tease, but and then the teaser trailer, and then the full trailer, and then the the TV trailers, and that's what what was weird too with the Super Bowl too is they all get the very short spots for the um, the movie trailers. And we've already seen, for the most part, the extended two, two-and-a-half-minute trailers on YouTube prior to this. So, eh, another movie disappointment I'm bitching about. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not a crotchety old man. It's okay because, yeah, I don't like that trend either. Just like having too many trailers or trailers that just give away every fucking thing. It's like, well, I don't need to see the movie now. They just gave me the money shot. Speaking about uh, Star Wars, we got some Star Wars news. I want to toss this out here. Um, they announced uh, Oscar nominee actress Felicity Jones will be starring in the first Star Wars standalone movie, separate from the new trilogy, uh, that uh, Godzilla 2014 director Gareth Edwards is helming. Of course, there's no other details other than the fact that she is signed on for this. Uh, which is as a release date of December 16th, 2016. And then Josh Trank, who uh, just directed the Fantastic Four reboot, which I'm sure you've seen that lovingly, blisteringly, extremely mediocre trailer, uh, <laughs> will be helping, will be helming the second standalone film. Uh, the rumors that I'm hearing are that these two standalone movies might focus on early days of Princess Leia and Han Solo. And earlier rumors over the past six months to nine months have said, yeah, we're going to get a Boba Fett movie or a Mace Windu or a Yoda. And like none of those standalone movie things really interest me. Honestly, I'd rather just get the whole universe. That's what I'm used to. But if it was a Boba Fett movie, eh, you'd be there. Okay, I'd be there. I do have a Boba Fett tattoo on my back, but my love for him was a little bit tainted in the prequels. It's like, really, that's where he came from? <sighs> the whiny little kid. <laughs> uh, then yeah, you, you dug up some release dates for Episodes 8 and 9, right? I did. Uh, and this is confirmed by Disney CEO Bob Iger, and he said that Star Wars Episode 8 will be coming out in December of 2017, followed by Episode 9 in December of 2019. So that certainly falls in with the very early rumors we had heard that the films would only be two years apart, as opposed to when uh, Lucas was involved and they were three years apart. Minus that twenty some odd year gap in between the original trilogy and the and the prequels, and we do know that the the Gar Gareth Edwards um, in between directed film will be coming out in twenty sixteen. Um, right. And I, I have read recently somebody I don't know if it was speculation or if somebody had heard something from the inside, but there's still some rumors about casting for the uh, the Boba Fett role. So. I don't know if that would be something for a Han Solo standalone film or if they would make a, a solely developed Boba Fett standalone film. But essentially you're getting uh, five Star Wars movies in five years. So I don't know. I, I It might be Star Wars oversaturation, uh, particularly with an ongoing uh, CG show on Disney XD. So yep, I don't, And a possible live action show in development, yeah? 
Is that the same one that's been in development hell for like 10 years now? <laughs> for 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then we're, you know, you had scrapped video games and new games on the slate. Yeah. I'm worried about oversaturation. I mean, there already is oversaturated from a merchandising standpoint. Everywhere you go, there's every kind of product there is. At the core, you got to have a good movie. And if you have a good movie, then yeah, you're driven to celebrate it with merchandise purchases and yay for that. I do like the idea of having the films only two years apart instead of three because boy, man, I remember being a kid and that three year wait was a slag, a real, it's just fuck man. Just come on, just shoot it now. Shoot it back to back. Do like back to the future two and three and put them out within six months or something. As a kid, it was tough. I mean, I was very young when uh, the first Star Wars came out, A New Hope, but the wait between Empire and Jedi, that was murder. And then after Jedi, I don't think we ever really thought we were going to get more Star Wars after that. And then we got subpar Star Wars. I think we're going to get better Star Wars now, but just because it's better, I don't think it, it means that we need, you know, a half a decade of new Star Wars. Um, and the other thing too, which we're talking about the merchandise oversaturation. Again, I hate to draw that comparison, but it was so much different when we were younger because that speculator market didn't exist. As some of our listeners may know, in Christmas of 77, Kenner didn't have toys enough toys in production to launch the line in, in time for Christmas. So that's when you essentially bought an empty box and uh, that was your, your holder that you could give to your child for Christmas, this nice uh, glossy cardboard stock with a photo of the figures to say, this is what you'll be getting when they finally make them. And then finally the following year in 78, Kenner started releasing the figures and some people um, did get those early bird figures. And because the demand was kind of low, supply was very low, those figures ended up turning into be worth a lot of money. Um, the, the Boba Fett with a firing rocket prototype, if you have that, you're sitting in a landmine. Uh, Jawas with vinyl capes. Very, very, very expensive figures nowadays. And when the big merchandise boom came out for um, episode one, the fuck was the name of that movie? Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> so memorable, right? I'm trying to keep that out of my head. Right. Um, Tons and tons and tons of figures came out in tons of waves. And, you know, I, I have to kind of sheepishly admit, I tracked down all of those figures. I, I still have them all in a box up in my attic. And even some of the, the variants and, and misprints, I picked them up on eBay for a ridiculous amount of money. But these figures were made in the billions. They're worth less now if I was to put them on eBay than when I paid for them retail. So that's pretty disgusting. Every uh, every Christmas or, or birthday, I give a couple to my kids, and they just think it's cool because for all they know, they're brand new, they're still in the package, and they tear them open. A little part of me inside dies. My whole Star Wars figure collection, uh, or my obsession with that, didn't kick in until the prequels. So I bought all these figures. I'd go on a hunt to Walmart and Toys R Us with my friend. I used to be a DJ at the time. And we would just hit those up on new release days and go from store to store to store or sometimes hit up a comic book store and pay the, the inflated price for the rare shit. Uh, and then, of course, now it's worth absolutely nothing. And then I moved to L.A. I have boxes and boxes of clutter. I have nowhere to go. I know I can't sell them. So I just take it all to Goodwill. It's like, here, here are some episode one and two figures because, uh, yeah, I I – I don't know what to do with it. Stody in the chat says we need a C-3PO standalone movie. Yeah, no. Unless you want to give him that hard-on that he had in the trading card error. And Anthony Daniels won't sign those. And I remember a couple of years ago, somebody went to a con and they had um, put it in a sleeve and then over the sleeve had taped up 
the area of that robo erection and handed it to him really quick and had him sign it. And then after the fact, pulled it out of the sleeve and was like, ha, ah, thanks, fucker. You just signed C3PO with a heart on. And then it went up on eBay for tons and tons of money. Yeah. Oh, oh speaking more to, to oversaturation about Star Wars, what do you think about this? I saw this on TechCrunch saying that Disney is looking at other ways to work with Dish TV's uh, new Sling TV service. Dish Network, currently a satellite TV service, kind of like cable. But Sling TV would be like an alternative to cable subscription. So you'd get a slew of of cable channels through your internet connection, which would be watchable on your smartphone, tablet, video game console, and whatnot. Uh, tantalizing news is the possibility of Marvel or Star Wars specific type programming or even full dedicated channels. And that is uh, a very tasty thing uh, to consider. Now, of course, that's just all rumors, but um, they would definitely be, um, I mean, I mean, as much as content as they're going to be pumping out here, new trilogy films every two years, standalone films during the downtime, uh, it just seems like a no-brainer that they do that as they expand the theme park stuff with new rides, new attractions. I don't see why they wouldn't go ahead and do that. And, of course, it would be a huge, huge hit, even if it's geared towards 10-year-olds and whatnot. People would be – I mean, imagine that, you know, us being 10 years old and getting to see a, a total, you know, a Marvel-dedicated channel instead of – Oh, here in the 70s, we got the Incredible Hulk TV show here and there, or this really crappy Spider-Man TV series, and then we didn't get a Batman movie until 89, and then you'd just be inundated with it, which, of course, you can have too much of a good thing, but I could totally see this happening. Uh, TechCrunch reports that Sling TV's basic $20 a month package already includes 11 Disney-owned channels. I can see it happening, but Marvel might be in a better position with a sustainable channel. Because let's face it, there's, there's been Marvel animated series since the late 60s. We had Captain America and Fantastic Four and the very classic 60s uh, Spider-Man TV series. And there's been a lot of incarnations and iterations ever since. So you could do that. Um, even with some of the live action stuff, the, the Captain America live action movie, which was horrible. Um, the two Spider-Man movies, the, the or Robert J in our chat mentions the Japanese Spider-Man live action show, which is, Oh my God, I would totally watch that. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think they could sustain a Marvel channel just with what's existing because let's face it, it's hard to create that new content for something that's a, an upstart. It's not a major network. So you probably don't have tons of financial backing to create new content for that. So that, that might be all right. But when it comes to star Wars, there was never really a lot of star Wars on TV. They, they replayed the movies a lot growing up, but in terms of uh, new or original content, you have the holiday special, which Lucas doesn't want out there, so I really can't see that showing up on this network. You have the two really, really shitty Ewok made for TV, TV movies. Droids, yeah. Droids. It really wasn't too much that was good. Uh, I guess Gendy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan, I'd love to see that come back and have people really appreciate that for what it is. And then, of course, you have the Clone Wars after that which was wildly popular yeah. and, and to bring that back on the network would be great. Um, but that would be a case where I think they'd have to generate some new content in order to sustain a strictly Disney, uh, strictly star Wars channel. You know, they could have a, a Wookiee pelt hunting show. 
Like Star Wars reality shows, yeah. I mean, it would start getting ridiculous. It would make the holiday special look like a masterpiece. I really don't know if that's possible. Come on, let's <laughs> I don't know. What was it, Life Day that they were celebrating on there? And then, you know, Carrie Fisher belting out, you know, in her cocaine haze, singing something to the tune of Star Wars theme song, but it had lyrics. I guess you have to respect the first appearance of Boba Fett. But, I mean, that's what YouTube's for, too. So, hey, kids, go to YouTube. Watch the holiday special just for the first appearance of Boba Fett in the animated segment. That's all you have to watch. It's trippy, man. It's psychedelic. We don't need more Jefferson Starship, that's for sure. Yeah, so this, this Sling TV service uh, gets announced after you know HBO Go is probably going to totally pilfer its, its audience with cable, just offering direct service. It looks like... Other people are starting to follow suit with that, yeah? That is fucking awesome because we, we do live in that hustle and bustle uh, type of life. And I don't have a DVR. I know that's so sad, but I, I don't. And I miss a lot of shows and I'm still tethered to cable. And uh, fortunately, I, I guess, as fortunate as it gets, there is on demand so I can catch what I've missed on demand, depending on when they put it up and for duration they have it available. So it, it's really appealing for somebody like me who has a computer and a laptop and tablets and a smartphone to be able to take this on the go or even at home and be able to keep up to date on all your television viewing needs. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of digging this. I thought it was happening too slow to really make an impact. Um, but it seems, yes, once you get a couple really successful networks doing it, and other people are jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, I'm all for jumping on that at this point. And then, and now it looks like Nickelodeon is starting to to follow suit. They are, and and uh, being a parent of some young children, I do watch a lot of Nickelodeon. And surprisingly, this is actually um, this was announced the tail end of last month. It's going to be going live this month, and Viacom uh, announced this during a call with investors um, this past Thursday morning. And they have an upfront meeting with advertisers this month. And this is when they're going to make the announcement with all the information. So, uh, again, opening up a very competitive market, Nickelodeon unveiling their own standalone subscription video service. And it's, it's those words standalone that are making it so appealing to me. You don't have to have that tethered to your cable account. You, it, it's If you want it, sign up for it. Download the app or, or whatever it is. Nothing else. There's no uh, prerequisite. So that's that's very tantalizing. And I'm just wondering how soon it's going to make my cable bill drop. You know, is it going to drop because the competition's starting to thin things out, or is it going to jump up in one last, you know, final uh, death throw to try to suck up whatever lifeblood is left out there? But it's great to know you have these options. And like I said, uh, somebody like me who's always been a naysayer, it's actually got me very interested to start checking these things out. Future shows, I might be reporting on my success or frustrations with some of these services. A la carte network subscription, like on-the-go standalone type subscription service thing, that does seem way more appealing than these bulk cable programmings where it's like, here's 500 channels. Like, well, here 495 of them I don't give a shit about. I don't need 
Telemundo. I don't need, uh, you know, a bunch of other things. And other people would want that sort of thing. Or I want the wrestling network. I want the sports shit. It's like, okay, other people will want that. I don't want that. Uh, give me AMC. Give me sci-fi, cartoon network, that sort of thing. I mean, let me just pick what I want and, and, and tailor it and, and price it that way. And if the cable companies want a, you know, a piece of that, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could just work in, in, in concert with all these various, uh, content providers. Because it doesn't seem like a very good use of, of one's income if you can't or you, just, you don't have time. I know you're busy all the time. I'm busy all the time. I don't have enough time. You're, you probably set that DVR in, into overdrive. You probably have it so much backlog TV shows that you're never, ever going to watch. It's like, shit, I, I just, I'm just wasting money here. Let me just, let me just trim the fat up the, uh, up the internet speed and still pay less than it were for a cable subscription, which is what I'm doing with AT&T Universe. My only lingering complaint, and yes, first world problems, I admit, I want a front end because going through all these different programs and apps and, and uh, yeah, it's great. They're all offering this a la carte, but you know, if you want to watch a, a Nickelodeon program, you have to launch your Nickelodeon app and look to see what's playing and what's in your queue and everything. And then, no, I want to go over to Hulu or Netflix or, or NBC standalone. It's not as easy as flipping the channel up and down or just hitting that favorites button and having to scroll through all your favorite networks. It's a little more, um, a little bit more work. And again, I understand that's first world problems, but I like to see somebody develop some sort of front end where it operated more like your TV remote control and you can access different programming from, from different subscription services and set it up that way teen titans coming to tnt so dc expanding its uh its tv foray and uh you got a list of the roster of characters we can see in this live action adaptation i do and and i actually have to correct you just a little bit because apparently it's simply being known as the titans i believe when it was announced it was titans now they decided to slap the word the in front of it and i'm not quite sure why but the titans coming out to tnt we have some uh, character confirmation, and first and foremost, of course, is Nightwing, uh, Dick Grayson, formerly the first Robin. He's going to be the leader of this team, which, okay, so far, thumbs up. Barbara Gordon. Now, this is very interesting because, although not technically a member of the Teen Titans, uh, she did have a long-term romantic relationship with Dick Grayson, but she's going to be in the show in the incarnation of formerly Batgirl and then paralyzed and in a wheelchair at times had gone by the Oracle and may actually be in the series as the Oracle. So that's pretty cool. Got Hawk and Dove confirmed, which honestly, I don't even know who those two characters are. I don't remember them from other animated incarnations. So send your hate mail. You can find me on Twitter at OtherworldSteve. Don't clog up our BBB channel with this crap. Um, Raven. Now, Raven, I thought was pretty badass in the first Teen Titans animated show. So definitely pretty cool to bring Raven in and some of her otherworldly adventures. Starfire, the really sexy alien who also had a little trust with Robin, confirmed for the show. Now, not confirmed is Cyborg. And the reason being, it seems Warner Brothers is really keeping Cyborg in a tight leash because of his future appearance in a Justice League film. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, looking at our chat room here, the Stody says it's Birds of Prey all over again. That's kind of what I was initially worried about. But with the success of The Flash and Arrow, DC's foray, is, is, it seems like they're, they're having much more success in the TV world than the movie world. 
And, uh, you know, Gotham is doing really well, even though I haven't seen that much of it. Um, but, uh, if they continue this, this, this path, maybe they can reverse that trend of, of things. And, you know, Marvel, as we said last time, is going to be adapting X-Men into a, a, a TV series. And hopefully it will be better than Mutants. From uh, I guess the '90s or early 2000s. What I do like with the concept of uh, the Titans is that it's a team flick. We don't have any teams out there right now. It's pretty much standalone heroes. Gotham's kind of interesting because it's almost like a reverse team flick because you're introducing all the villains at this point. So it's kind of like a team, not that they necessarily work together, but to see a superhero team working together. And, of course, with this roster comes a vast litany of villains that not only does the team as a whole have villains, but in their own little universe. So it could be something pretty big, pretty epic. Um, Will it suffer from a movie like Raimi's Spider-Man 3, where it's just uh, too many characters to to juggle around? I don't know. Um, I haven't watched a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I'm not quite sure how they're dealing with having tons of characters on their roster. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, I, I find the concept interesting because of that team aspect. Uh, former Power Ranger Ricardo Medina Jr. was arrested for the murder of his roommate, Joshua Sutter, stabbing him to death with a sword. Now, as of the recording of this episode of the Big Ball broadcast, Medina was released because prosecutors were still deciding whether or not to charge him with a crime. And uh, Medina is claiming self-defense. Uh, he told cops that Sutter forced his way into the bedroom before the stabbing. But why would stabbing an unarmed man constitute self-defense? Interesting. The plot thickens. Uh, and this is like the, not the first time there's been legal woes with uh, with former Power Ranger casts. Uh, Skylar DeLeon, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. former, former child actor and had a, he had a non-speaking role on Mighty Morphin's Power Ranger. He was convicted at 29 of uh, killing three people. I believe this happened back in 2008. So is it that curse of, of the childhood stars, the child actors, or is it something with Power Rangers? I thought it was interesting this dude uh, stabbed the guy with a sword. I'm like, fuck it. If there there couldn't have been a more real-world Power Ranger way to do that. We're friends, if you guys listening don't know, with another voice actor named Johnny Young Bosch, who was also a Power Ranger, former Power Ranger, is currently a member of a band called Eyeshine, which you guys hear a little tidbit of their music at the beginning of the podcast. I wonder how much Johnny gets razzed about that sort of thing. So we're going to have to keep an eye on you. Are you going to like just go samurai on people? Didn't they just announce this big uh, reunion of the cast at a con? Uh, Sadly, I don't really follow Power Rangers, but I I thought I read something recently where they were all getting together. And yeah, this has to really kind of draw in that that black mist, that that haze that's going to surround these surviving actors as they go out and do their things. It's, it's one thing, I guess it's sad enough if you're typecast because of that role, but then they have that shadow of, Oh yeah. And, and your castmates are fucking murderers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard, you know, Oh, uh, you know, there's a new Dragon Ball Z movie coming out next year. Don't forget Sean Schimmel, uh, you know, raped somebody in the shower. You don't hear that necessarily coming out of a lot of other franchises, it, but it's weird with, with Power Rangers, and it's obviously not an isolated incident. <laughs> no, and I wonder if this will have any effect on the live-action movie, which is in development, too. I'm sure that's going to make money. And Sean Schimmel did not rape anybody in the shower. That was humor, kids. 
Sean is a very, very uh, good friend to the show and a personal friend of mine, and he voices my father. He voices Goku on Dragon Ball Z, and I voice Gohan, an older version. Just so you, just throwing out names that, if, if, in case you guys are confused, what the hell is going on here? Or what just go over to Smodcast and look for the episode where we speak with Sean in depth for one hour. That's right. We killed time and a half. We didn't even talk about Dragon Ball Z, did we? I don't think it came up once, but you know, it made for a better interview. It did. It did. So if we get totally distracted, that usually means it's a better show, right? I, I think that's how it works. For you, I'm constantly distracted. <laughs> <laughs> altered, so to speak. You're altered, yeah. You're you're partaking of the wacky tobacco, and I'm just sitting here wondering, what the hell are we going to talk about an hour before we start recording? So I find it hilarious when the stody in the chat saying, it's morphin' time, stab, stab, stab. Do you have any desire to see Jupiter ascending? Part of me, only because of the Wachowskis. Then I'm reminded of the last um, Matrix movie, and I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, but that would be the part, the only part that really uh, gets me interested. Other than that, no. Yeah, reading the reviews, there seem to be pretty, uh, there's a pattern that I'm reading that it's like, it's very pretty. You will not get sucked in like you were in the matrix. It's not as in depth. Uh, to me, it kind of looks like flash Gordon and I love flash Gordon, the 1980 movie with the queen soundtrack and all that. It kind of looks like a higher glossier version of that. But beyond that, the, the initial trailer, which came out like a year ago, it's like, I should, I feel like I should be excited about this, but I'm not terribly. I mean, I might still go see it just out of, <laughs> I don't know, boredom or curiosity but you know they've been hit or miss the whole wachowskis thing um you know obviously speed racer uh and then they, you know they produced um v for vendetta which i thought was pretty solid actually yeah this one is like does not look like a matrix uh, replacement at all no but i do have a tremendous amount of pro uh, professional respect for mila her last name oh kunis so yeah the kunis I can never pronounce that right um She's, you know, she's a kind of weird anomaly where a lot of people get to know her as Jackie on that 70s show. And it was a great show, but, you know, she, she was cast as your typical spoiled, ditzy teenage chick. Gets to voice Meg in Family Guy, which, you know, is pulling down some serious coin on an annual basis for her. Kind of unforeseen, spectacular success with Black Swan. And she's done, you know, stuff in between, but then her casting here in Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, I mean, nothing but, but respect for her. whether this, this movie rocks or uh, just uh, sputters out. Uh, I, I think, you know, she, she's trying things a lot of other actors I don't think would necessarily put their, their feet into, into that pool. It makes me wonder how much is, uh, is it casting people just having you know, uh, just a brainstorming session going, wouldn't it be weird if we got this person on this project or do these people get approached and they're, they're sent the script. As far as I understand, they'll, they'll send screenplays to the actors through their agents and whatnot. You know, they'll read the screenplay and they'll determine if they're interested or not. Sometimes they have to audition. Sometimes there's like, we want you on this project. I wonder how much of that was Mila Kunis, even a sci-fi fan. Did she give a shit or did they just come to you and say, uh, they think you'd be a good fit for this project. Like, uh, okay. How much does it pay? I mean, I know it sucks for some directors because they'll write a character with a specific actor in mind. And if that actor doesn't want to do that role, there's, you know, some adjustments that have to be made. And, and it's not as simple as just, you know, changing some of the dialogue. There's so many people up on that ladder with the, the studio and the producers and, and everybody where, you know, that could be some work. So I, I think a lot of people nowadays go in with a type. 
we want the Chris Helmsworth type. We want the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, type. Because you know you could probably pull from three or four different A-list actors out there at any given time and probably get somebody sustainable in that role. But yeah, I think they have some twisted conversations too. And you know, wouldn't it be interesting if we cast this person and then when it happens, it comes together and it all works out. It could be a really beautiful thing or it could be a fucking train wreck. <laughs> and then you get the Sony hack stuff. Well, it's like, let's get Andrew Garfield off the Spider-Man property. Like, oh, wait, now everyone can read this. Oh, shit. Ow. Hey, you know what? They just said out loud that everybody was thinking so. And, and that's not even like a dig. People really got down on Raimi for, for tanking the franchise, but the reboot did it a lot faster, a lot messier. Something like $256 million domestically in Spider-Man 2. That's an embarrassment for a character. That's, that's a tentpole character for Marvel, and Marvel could do so much better. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with them calling them out. It's kind of sad it wasn't done on like live TV. I would have been like, what the fuck are you doing to this character? <laughs> what in the fuck are you thinking? This is Spider-Man, and, and you're destroying it. I felt bad for Sam Raimi at the time, because I know that even though he's the director, he's not the bean counter. He's not the one calling the shots he's not the one that wanted to have venom in there and have you know eight billion bad guys all in the same film he's not the one that sit there and say let's have an emo spidey uh peter parker moment and all that shit i mean he's just like he admits freely that it's like that's a misfire a dreaded misfire he still gets shit from it from fans but you know i think that you know a wink and a nod saying this is a sony issue not a sam raimi thing absolutely it's not even to the extreme of like Fox with Fantastic Four. It doesn't matter if this thing is a turd. They're going to crank something out to retain the rights. Spider-Man, like, like I said, that's something different. That's big. <laughs> that's, that's an A-lister. Even Avengers, we, we both admit, are made up of a B-list team. Yeah, I mean, if Marvel just six, seven, eight years from now can, can finalize this, get it back, then we'll see what Spider-Man should always have been. Although I say what always happened, you look back, you know, going back a while now when, when James Cameron submitted his treatment for a Spider-Man film, and I'm really happy that was not made. Oh, dude, I got excited when that, I got excited back in the, in the 90s when he wanted to do like a sequel to The Day the Earth Stood Still. And of course, they had one with Keanu Reeves that just totally tanked and missed the point and, and everything. He was attached to, all sorts of things that never, never happened. I would have loved to have seen what James Cameron would do with Spidey, but uh, I don't think we'll ever see that again because he's in, he's he's totally submerged in Avatar ness for the next decade easily. Robert J in the chat asks, "Am I the only one that likes Andrew Garfield as Spider Man?" Now I just want to clarify real quickly my hatred. If you really want to make it blunt about Spider Man in, in this um, relaunch, wasn't. Andrew Garfield, the person. It was the portrayal of Peter Parker. Peter Parker's always been that geek, that dweeb, that um, unaccepted nobody, doesn't have friends, very awkward. And you introduce the character as somebody with skateboards, uses product in their hair, wears Ramones t-shirts. That's not Peter Parker. I, I don't know who the fuck that's supposed to be, but it's not Peter Parker. So that's where my hatred's coming from. That's not even close to what that character should be, but... You know, Garfield's in that same position you were talking about with Raimi, where you don't get to call those shots. You're hired to do a role. When you go in, you, Kyle, to to do voice acting in a video game or in an anime or domestic animation, you don't get to determine what your character says. You have a script. You have directors. They say, this is what you're doing. So I don't know. I guess potentially it has that risk of putting your credibility on the line. 
but it's not his fault as an actor. No, you know, not at all. I mean, come on. Call. If you're a young Hollywood dude and they said they're eyeballing you to play a tentpole character, you'd be stupid to turn it down. The opportunity to, to, to do that. And yeah, you're going to have to make some concessions. You're not going to be able to, to have everyone approve what you want to do with the character. You're going to have to make, you know, Sony happy in, in this case. Um, I think he's a really, really solid actor. And I thought he did just fine as far as my favorite thing about Amazing Spider-Man 2 was his rapport with Gwen Stacy. It seemed legit. It seemed really real. And it was just like this, this awkward Batman and Robin type thing where it's like, this is going back and forth between a really intriguing, sweet romance and this really over the top cheesy crap that's not even a good cheese. That was my big sticking point with the, the whole thing. Other than being bitter that the whole reason Amazing Spider-Man exists is just so Sony could keep it away from Disney. But you know, that, that's very interesting. You kind of really hit the, the nail on the head with the issue with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. The parts they should have got right, they, they should have knocked out of the park. The action, the, the intrigue, the, the character design. And that's where they really stumbled. But yeah, it, it was a tight love story. You could take all the action out, keep it as a, a one hour love story. And you probably could have made twice what you would have by banking it on the Spider, uh, the Spider Man title. Crazy, man. Can you believe that we're like, we're, we're about to run out of time here. Good timing. We ran out of stuff. <laughs> we ran out of stuff. Unless you want to talk about the Leg, Lego video games. You get, to, get oh, some new shit. games coming on the slate. Yeah. I have to talk about this because I'm actually excited. Um, just real quickly, you got Lego Jurassic World coming out as kind of a uh, no-brainer. You got Lego Ninja Go Shadow of Ronin coming out, which is another dirt no-brainer because that's actually going to be one of the future Lego movies in this franchise. What I was surprised and excited to see was Lego Marvel's Avengers. Now, I make no joke that one of my favorite games to play in the last couple of years was Lego Marvel Superheroes. It was a great game, and it, it's... Because it's Lego doesn't mean it's for little kids. It had humor. It had a lot of winks and nods to the comic fan of any age to go, oh, yeah, I get that. I, I see what you're doing there. It was a fun game to play. It was bright, colorful, uh, thoroughly entertaining, and it's one of the very, very few games I platinum on uh, the PSN. So to see them following up a Lego Lego Marvel Avengers, which is going to incorporate stuff from the first movie, maybe some stuff from the standalones, the introductions, but it's also going to include Ultron stuff. So absolutely, you know, regardless of my kids even have any, any interest in this, I will pick it up and I will play the shit out of it. And I'll probably platinum this one too. Yay. I just want the next Lego movie. That's what I'm, I'm into, but the Lego games are a lot of fun and obviously very, very lucrative and all that. So as we come to a close here on the Big Ball Broadcast, I want to give a shout out to Fanboys Inc. who tweeted at us. Just listen to all your past episodes. Awesome, guys. Kyle and Steve, you rock. Thank you so much for that. He's actually in the chat as well. Uh, thanks to everyone else for stopping by too. Miss November 30, Robert J, Sigmund 88, The Stody, Prinny Zawa. If you guys want to come to this chat that we keep referring to every episode, listen to our live audio stream as we record our episodes on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, uh, and for the link to the chat room and the live audio stream, it's all provided on our Twitter at BB Broadcast. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening to our episodes. The past archive special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason. We're do it again next week. Thank Music so provided by iShine. Until next time, perimeter of the void Kylie and Bear. Zero Reynolds. Yeah, Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email the Big Ball Broadcast at gmail.com. 
SoundCloud wants to make it easier for you to get all of your favorite Smodco podcasts at home or on the go. Get the SoundCloud app today, and you can follow and get your podcast on with your computer or smartphone. Guess what else? The podcasts are on SoundCloud before anywhere else. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and get your free app and SoundCloud account today. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>